0: Welcome to Set on Sunday, a podcast by Kellyville Anglican where we talk about what was said on Sunday or even what we didn't have time to say on Sunday. We are passionate about being deep in the Word of God and doing life together in community. So thanks for letting us into your week as we learn more about Jesus together. Here's today's episode. Hi and welcome back to the very first episode of Said on Sunday for 2023. My name's Beck, and I'm hosting our podcast today. And with me around the table is Nathan. Hello, Nathan.
1: I'm very well. I'm good to have you back. Oh, thank you. you. We've missed you. (laughs) James did a very admirable job, but we've missed you.
0: I really enjoyed listening to the podcast um, when I was in hospital as well. It made me still feel a part of things, even Mm. though I wasn't listening to my own voice, which has its own advantages as well. I don't (laughs) think anyone really likes listening to their own voice. Um, We also have Dave here. Hello, Dave. Welcome.
2: Hello, Bec. G'day, everyone.
0: And James.
3: Yeah. Hello. Good to see you all. Man in the sound desk. Less (laughs) of me and more of you. It's great.
0: (laughs) Well, I hope you've got your heresy alarm ready because I'm feeling very, um, I've had to blow the cobwebs off my brain um, (laughs) in order to be here today. Um, But yeah, it is good to be here. For those that don't know, I um, had a spinal cord tumor removed in October of last year. So that's why I had a bit of a break from the podcast, but it's really good to be back. Um, with you again today. Um, So what we're doing today on the podcast is actually looking at the last five weeks Mm -hmm. of sermons um, in our summer series that was called Five Truths That Will Transform Your Life. So we are going to cover week by week um, in chronological order. Um, And the first week, Neil brought the message to us, um, which was life is hard, but there is an upside. Do either of you guys want to share what that was about?
1: I was down the south coast at the beach, <laughs> so, so was I. <laughs> life was very easy and I missed the sermon. So, Dave.
2: I was here, uh, and uh, Neil did a great job unpacking, um, uh, I guess, what's sort of going on when we sort of encounter suffering and uh, brought it back to sin uh, and its presence in the world. Uh, and primarily that uh, sin is our autonomous selves. Uh, so I am God, I'm in charge, I'm in control, I'm, I'm the man or woman. Uh, and uh, the result of that is often suffering that sort of comes about from it. Um, but Neil then helpfully did show us uh, the upside to it is, is often that God works through those circumstances hmm. uh, to bring about his purposes Uh, so yeah, it was, it was great to get Neil up there and, and, uh, hear him unpack the word for us.
4: Mm.
0: Okay. So you sort of talked about, um, uh, that people are wanting to be in charge of their own lives and Neil opened with an explanation that life is hard because it's, um, people want to be in control of their own lives rather than submitting to God. Um, I can see how difficult relationships because of sin contributes to suffering, but what about suffering that doesn't seem related to that? Is our first question, for example, natural disasters or health issues? How are they the result of sin entering the world through Adam and Eve's decisions to disobey God?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a, a really good, uh, but uh, all common question uh, around suffering, and and I think people do grasp the idea that. Um, a lot of suffering in the world is the result of humans' actions Mm. uh, towards one another, uh, whether we're perpetrators or victims, uh, and we're we're both um, Mm. in terms of just wrestling with the the hard truths of that, uh, that we cause suffering to others and we are the victims uh, of other people's actions as well. But, yeah, what about natural disasters? Where do they sit in God's scheme and and, uh, and the logic of how the universe works? Uh, And I, I think the easiest way to explain it is... Uh, that as a world, um, as humans and as creation, we are out of step with God uh, and therefore the world is not as it uh, was intended to be in its perfect uh, created order that we see in Genesis 1 and 2. Mm. And so when sin enters the world, there is a break in relationship uh, between uh, us and God, um, between uh, us as collectively as humans and us and uh the world mm. uh and so you see those three sort of uh severings of relationships uh and the consequences ripple out uh on all three fronts uh of, of those particular things uh and one of the big consequences of that is the natural disasters we see uh mm. in the world that that are um the result of, of much suffering um and uh I, I think uh, our response to those, uh, we can have a couple of different responses. Um, sometimes we shake our fists uh, and plenty of people do that. Uh, they look at those things, they shake their fists at God and say, how dare you? Um, who do you think you are? Um, but the, the godly response um, that is, should be one of repentance uh, to say, whoa, hang on, I'm not the one who's in control here. Uh, God is in control of all things and I need to fall on my knees before him Um, and we should pray that people would respond uh, to those things in those particular ways
0: Mm. anything to add
1: yeah I think it's a question that people have been wrestling with for thousands of years I think of the book of Job and the reason why Job's friends are so uh, unhelpful is that they didn't have a category for sort of innocent suffering like job is a very innocent guy Mm. he suffers awful things uh in seemingly natural disasters now we get to peek behind the scenes and see that there's a spiritual element going on there uh but yeah they had no category for it and they just went Mm. oh you must be evil because bad things are happening and yet um yeah not everything like job's suffering wasn't a result of his sin and but uh yeah like dave said from genesis 3 i think we're probably more familiar with the the curse to the woman with the painful Mm. uh, child labor because a lot of us have seen it or experienced it <laughs> um but yeah that the next curse for them for man was that near yeah, the ground is now actively you know the, the land and the ground is actively against you now and mm. um rather than your friend it's kind of your enemy and so yeah we we feel the effects of it and we felt it in australia with bushfires and floods you know the last few years so mm. yeah genesis three is alive and real and, and people have been wrestling with that kind of suffering uh from Job which is one of the earliest books of the bible written so three thousand years ago so yeah it's a good question
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, um, the gravity of human sin really fractures the Mm. order of creation in that way. Um, and so the whole of creation is kind of groaning toward the restoration Mm. that Christ will bring. So it's not just where we're evil toward each other, but it's that we've actually fractured the, the way the entire world works. Um, yeah. And so all of creation, not just us in our, our individual suffering is sort of groaning for, um, coming of Christ. Mm. Okay. Um, a second question on this sermon was that, um, Neil spoke of a woman who was in an aged care facility who had lost so much, but was still joyful despite her difficult situation. Neil said that in suffering, the spirit is at work in us to help us to be joyful in suffering. What if I am suffering and not feeling joyful? Do I not have the spirit?
2: Uh, yeah, good question. Um, the, the, an- the answer is, um, uh our spirit the spirit is not necessarily um uh, uh connected to how you're feeling mm-hmm. uh, so you can have the spirit and you can be suffering and suffering's hard like i think uh you know it's easy in this context to, s- to speak about the a- from an from academic point of view as mm-hmm. opposed to just that sort of personal nature um but uh, if you've called Jesus your Lord uh, and your Saviour, you have the Spirit. The Spirit is at work mm. within you. Yeah. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily going to mean that when you suffer, suddenly you're going to do it with a smile on your face mm. um, because suffering is suffering. Like, it's, it's hard. Um, but there's a, a context uh, in terms of for which uh, you have a, a category of how of what, what suffering is, uh, why it's in the world, um, you know and uh, that it's not the end point point. Mm. Uh, and, and I, I would say for this lady um, that in her suffering and having lost so much uh, that she was able to be joyful uh, because she knew, knew that life in the here and now uh, was not the be all and end all mm. that there was another life to come after mm. uh, and you know that that is the work of the spirit to sort mm. of keep pointing us to Jesus uh, and the hope that there is in him.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really yeah. helpful.
2: I think Paul, I think it's 2 Corinthians,
1: um, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. So mm-hmm. you can be completely miserable and still have that deep hope. And so Paul can be, yeah, joy is, un- is very different to happiness because yeah. um, you can't. I don't think you can be happy and sorrowful at the same time, mm. but you can be completely miserable and still joyful. And so there's something like you just can't, and we saw it with James's passages on, on Sunday, Philippians one twenty one, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So mm-hmm. if you're alive and and suffering you still you still got Christ and, and dying is ultimately gain and and so Paul couldn't lose. He sort of had an objective he was achieving no matter what was going on in his life. So yeah, the promises of God don't go away, and that eternal hope uh, still remains. So yeah, but don't you, yeah don't don't make the mistake of thinking you have to be happy, or mm-hmm. um, you can be completely miserable and still have that hope of joy. And, and your misery might be so strong that the joy is only is quite dim. But yeah, um, yeah Paul and then, I mean Jesus is called a man of sorrows as well, mm. and then who enjoyed God more than Jesus, <laughs> yeah. who himself was the Son of God. You know, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, even he's a man of sorrows.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, okay, so they were all of the questions that we had for the first um, sermon. Week two, the topic was "You are not the center of the universe" and how this is helpful. Dave, that was yours.
2: It was yes. Um, so we we looked at uh, we looked at what the world says about us, um, puts us at the center, but then we looked at the scriptures and went, "Hey, look, the scriptures are pretty clear that Jesus is the one." Uh, And and the Godhead is what sits at the centre of the universe and and looked at what Jesus did, um, uh, the man who was at the centre, but put that aside in order to serve one another. Uh, So, um, and as Christians, we're called to do the same. Um, Mm. uh, Service is is what we're called to do. So that was the, the sort of guts of the sermon.
0: Okay. Well, in the light of that, that we're called to do the same and be like Jesus, um, someone has asked, how do we balance not putting ourselves at the center with self-care? How can we avoid burnout and compassion fatigue?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, because what what the scriptures are not saying is uh, to forget yourself entirely. Mm. You, you are still a human. Uh, you are still someone that functions uh, in the world, uh, you have, Uh, physical, emotional, psychological needs uh, that need to be taken care of in order that you can serve other people. Uh, And sometimes uh, your care of yourself uh, needs to take priority over serving. Uh, And so, um, and as you do pour yourself out, and Paul describes his ministry as pouring himself out like a drink offering, uh, you know, in service of one another, uh, you do. You you do need to be careful uh, of burnout and compassion fatigue. Some people are more prone to this than others. Um, you know, so I've known ministers who are uh, uh, very very compassionate and take on you know o- almost the pain and suffering of other people uh, to to an extent where it's you know uh, where it's hard for them to sort of back out or have any objectivity to it. Uh, and in some ways, that's a really great trait. Like yeah, it's definitely. a wonderful thing. Uh, to, ha- to have a pastor uh, who, who has that but they need to be careful in and of themselves uh, that uh, the more you do that on a wider wider scale uh, the more you put yourself in danger uh, of, of burning out um, or you know just that compassion fatigue sort of idea so mm. um, I don't think us saying we're not at the center uh, and that God is means that you know we need to neglect ourselves and it's just some of the basic needs.
4: Mm.
0: Because the way God has made us, we do have a body that needs looking after and our body and our mind and our spirit are all connected. So we do need to take care of ourselves. Um, I have done a bit of thinking about this because I have experienced a degree of ministry burnout in my history as a Christian and um, I can recommend a really good resource. It's called Zeal Without Burnout by a fellow called Christopher Ash and he really emphasizes that the nature of our bodies and how we need to look after our bodies in order to um, have sustainable sacrifice is his phrase, which mm. I really like because we are called to sacrifice. But there's no point in sacrificing ourselves immediately and then um having a very short ministry. Isn't it better to have a sustainable sacrifice? Um, yeah, so he provides a lot of really important insights into um, taking care of our bodies and how that impacts our spiritual well-being as well as examining our motivations for ministry because that can sometimes burn us out as well, which was definitely the case for me um, because I was finding a lot of my identity in rescuing people from all their problems. So when I couldn't rescue people from their problems, that was hard. Like when they were still hurting despite all of my efforts, I found that really exhausting. Um, So I had to kind of rejig the way I thought about myself and my ministry and find my identity in Christ, not in my ministry and ministry outcomes. Um, but yeah, I need to be reminded of that all the time um, because I am prone to want to be a rescuer and make everyone feel better. Um, yeah. What about you? Yeah.
1: Either I think. It, yeah. I think it's, it is tricky because the people who you want to put before yourself lose out if you burn out. So it's in some true. ways, <laughs> yeah. it is. You're uh, not the only
0: casualty. Yes, yeah,
1: so um, yeah, Nick, in some ways, making sure uh, you can go sustainably is uh, is helpful for the people around you. Um, even if they want you to go 100 miles an hour right now, uh, better for them for you to run 90 miles an hour a uh, bit longer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think God has etched rest into the creation and he himself rests on the seventh day seventh day and um when he creates and then puts it you know ten commandments as the sabbath and and so god knows that rest is is really important so yeah i mean i think i think at reach australia conference last year i think um, just to be carefully weigh the other card was one of the guys said just beware of your own tendencies towards laziness or workaholism because yeah. we can use self-care as an excuse to not serve others um, and so you just need to reflect but um, yeah but it's a good question to focus on um, yeah so he was just saying just reflect with what's your what's your motive um, but often uh, particularly servant-hearted ministry-minded people will cook themselves um Mm -hmm. with really good intentions but yeah everyone loses out they lose out the people they care about lose out so yeah get that balance right
0: yeah yeah it's good wisdom
3: yeah i think setting boundaries is really important as well um and also listening to the people that are around you um because they can see how you're traveling too yeah um i'm pretty good at going too hard for too long sometimes um and my wife's very good at bringing that up and so (laughs) listening to her and you know, just because they've got that outside of perspective and can see that, especially for someone that likes to go hard mm. most of the time. Mm. Um, and so I think listening to those that you trust um, to sort of sow in uh, to your life, but also trying your best to set boundaries and taking days when you need to take days. Um, mm. One senior minister I worked for shared that, you know, it's, it's okay to go and smell the roses, take a deep mm. breath, mm-hmm. just sort of switch off for a little bit. If that means go see a movie or whatever it is, go do it. Um, because at the end of the day, um, you want to be doing ministry long-term. Um, you know, it's not just a quick race. It is quite a long marathon, um, for us to be doing for us that want to be doing ministry for all our lives. So I think, yeah, we just need to take those steps and yeah, set boundaries and look after ourselves as best as we can.
0: Yeah. I think, um, our community can be really helpful, like you say, Mm. to help us set those boundaries. Um, okay. So our second question, um, is we're doing everything. Would God doing everything for his glory make him proud? You're talking about how everything's for God's glory.
4: Mm.
0: How would you reconcile that with humility being a quality of God?
2: Yeah, uh, this is the right question to ask um, when, you, when you hear that God is for God. Mm. Uh, and it's a really big concept to sort of wrestle with. Uh, and I think the right uh, first question is, but hang on. Doesn't that make God arrogant and proud? Um, and I think it's the right question because it shows our humanness. Yeah. Um, because when something is for us, you know, like if Dave is for Dave, you go, dude, like, would you really go in the backseat, would you? Yeah. Um, but when we're talking about God, uh, who is infinite mm. uh, and above all things, uh, it is not arrogant uh, it's not god's ego on display uh, the whole world is created for god and for his glory um, and it, it's that wrestle between uh, our own sinfulness and our own ego for us wanting the world and our relationships to be about us uh to sort of keep pushing outwards to say actually uh, i'm here for god this world is here for god not for me mm. uh and so it, it is quite a substantial flip uh, when you start to sort of wrestle with these big ideas about who God is and who's actually God for. Uh, God's for God, um, yes, yeah. We and I spoke about the value of us, which I think there's a question coming up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not make God arrogant. Uh, he doesn't sit in that category. Um, and so, but I, I think if we're talking from a human perspective, I mm. totally understand yeah. where the question's coming from.
0: But God isn't like us like he no. like you say he's in a different category yes, yes. yeah
2: fundamentally no. a different category
0: yeah yeah and so it's actually appropriate for God to have these ideas about himself because they're accurate <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah yeah in the same way you know it's good for God to be jealous for mm. himself uh, and that our worship going somewhere else is inappropriate mm. and for God to go that I, I want that worship because I created you. Uh, and so I think the jealousy of God is, again, one of those things you go, oh, hang on, that doesn't quite make sense from a human perspective. Jealousy, is jealousy a really bad thing? Mm. Um, most of the time it is, but there's, a, there's aspects where um, it's appropriate.
0: Mm. Mm. Any other thoughts?
1: Johnny Piper's wrestled with this um, Mm -hmm. because that's his sort of with his Christian hedonism where it's all about, you know, treasuring God uh, for God's sake, but also for our joy. Mm. Um, And I think he sort of said, well, God, if God wasn't all about himself, ironically, he would become a sinner because he'd be committing mm-hmm. the sin of idolatry, <laughs> putting <laughs> things in their wrong place and elevating it's them. That's mind
0: games, isn't it? Yeah. But I see what he's saying. Yeah,
1: elevating them to a God thing. So he'd actually become sinful if he mm. became, was on about anything but himself. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah, there's, there's – and because of – I mean, then the complexity of the Trinity means the kind of other person love
4: mm. in
1: the fact that God is all about God's glory and mm. uh, and the fact that we, we – thrive and flourish when we focus on God and give glory to him. So we, we win and he gets the the glory that is due to him. So it's sort of everyone wins and it's not arrogant and, um, it's not arrogant. It's not only like arrogance when you ele- elevate his, uh, elevate yourself above where you actually belong. Whereas yes. God is, he belongs at the top of the pecking order. Yep. You know, if Djokovic came out tomorrow and said, I'm the best tennis player in the world, it's not arrogant. He is. It's a reality, you know. We don't like hearing it. but I,
2: He hasn't played me yet,
1: mate. <laughs> 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 I didn't know who Djokovic was when he no, said that. No, one. Oh, no, it's a tennis no, – oh, yeah, he's the yeah, tennis yeah, player. playing well, you know. It, it was not arrogant to say when, it, when it's true. And someone when God says, put me above everyone else, like that's where he belongs. And, yeah, it's a bit weird to hear it, but it's appropriate. And, yeah, he'd be a sinner if he didn't do that, yeah.
2: Mm. And, it, I mean, there's a question later in the Meaning of Life about our thoughts on the um, Westminster Catechism definition mm. here. What's the chief – end of man, uh, it's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's just a very similar sentiment to sort of what I was trying to convey, mm-hmm. you know, based on some of John Piper's works in terms of who God's for and who we're for. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's who we are. That's the meaning of life. That's that's the place to go searching for it.
0: Is it John Piper who says to glorify God by enjoying him forever?
1: Is that yeah. John Piper? Yeah, I'm reading Desiring God now. Yeah, that's how he okay. slightly tweaks the... Um, yeah. the Catechism, yeah. Yeah,
0: which I think is um, quite helpful because when we glorify God, so when we enjoy God, we do glorify God because people Mm. see us enjoying God and then by proxy God is glorified in that sense. So, yeah, I I like the tweak. Um, James, anything to add?
3: No, that all sounds great.
0: Oh, very good. (laughs) Um, Gold star from James. Thanks, guys. Um, So the next question we had, Dave, is specifically for you. So Dave, you mentioned the fact that Jesus died for us shows that we are valuable, as the value of something is shown by what people are willing to pay for it. Yet in Romans 5, 7 to 8, it says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The logic in this verse seems to be what, that we humans aren't worth to die for because of our sin. Yet Jesus dies for us because of his love, but not because of our worth. If this is so, how would you reconcile this verse with what was mentioned? But also great, ta- great talk, Dave. Very helpful.
1: <laughs> you're wrong, but good job.
2: No, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Just clarification. That's, <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. No, no. I no. <laughs> appreciate the chance for clarification. Hmm. Um, and, and look, I think... Uh, uh, there's a couple of things to unpack uh, in terms of our worth as humans. Um, you'd want to uh, make sure you were taken a little bit broader than just this couple of verses. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, when you look at creation, uh, you see mankind uh, as in some ways the pinnacle uh, of what God has created for himself. Uh, so there is there is worth there. Uh, there is worth in the, the fact of what romans tells us that Christ did die for us. Um, yes, we were sinners, um, but the whole way through, uh, yes, and God is driven by his love uh of us. Um and I don't think you can put those things against one another, which I feel like the person asked this question is doing in saying, uh, we're sinners, therefore we're not worthy, um, and God is just driven by his love. Uh, I think he's driven by his love because of our worth. Okay. Um, uh, and so, and I think what Romans 5 is you know, uh, explaining to us in that very rarely will any die for righteous, you know, some for good, it's just, it's the rare nature of someone dying for somebody else, mm. um, you know, whether they be righteous, whether they be good. Uh, I think what they're just sort of picking up on there is like, hey, this this doesn't happen often, mm. but look what God's done. Yes, He's you know, and it's here, you know, it's driven out of His love for us. Uh, Christ did die for us, um, but broadening the the sort of um, uh, the view of Scripture at that point, I think there's other places you'd go to to show and and uh, give evidence uh, of our worth outside of His love. Mm, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know, I yeah.
1: yeah, you could argue that Romans 5, 7, and 8 show our value um, because even in spite of our sin, you yes. know, God wants to give us his son. So mm-hmm. um, he's still willing to pay that price even though we've kind of, you know, reduced our worthiness. Um, yeah, and the, the metaphors that God uses for, you know, humanity and the nation of Israel in the Old Testament of, you know, a bride or a beautiful vineyard or like you can tell that, yeah, he's horrified that they've gone and shipwrecked themselves, but mm. the the objects he used to, the, and the metaphors he uses to describe people are very uh, rich and vivid ones. Yeah, beautiful bride, beautiful vineyard, uh, beautiful garden. Like it's, yeah, you can tell he values us highly, but he's just horrified that we've gone and kind of shipwrecked ourselves. So mm-hmm. the value is still very high, uh, and a normal person would at that point um, just... Leave us high and dry after we've destroyed ourselves. Okay, you deserve it. I'm not doing anything, but God still values us. Whereas humans would give up on your value once you betrayed them, God mm. still values us the same. Yeah.
2: God would have been in his, it uh, would have been in some ways just for us to be left in our sin. Mm. Um, but yet, out of his love for us, uh, yeah, he, he's, he sends Jesus, mm-hmm. which is extraordinary.
0: Mm. Yeah, it certainly is. All right. Let's move on to week three. Um, Nathan, this was yours and our topic was we're not in control and why that is actually a good thing. What was that all about?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I said on the talk itself, it's a hard, gen- we're a hard generation to say that to uh, because we have so much control and mm. the unique amount of ability to do almost whatever we want, uh, with the abilities and the wealth that we have. And so, yeah, we have a lot of control, but yet ultimately we find ourselves frustrated and, and, and anxious and, and worried because uh, there are limits to it. But when mm. you're a generation so used to having so much control, it's it, it hits harder than in other generations where you've never had that much control. So, uh, yeah, sort of the quick points where we've never had more control than ever before uh, with all the abilities and technology and wealth that we have. Uh, and yet we've never been more anxious uh, as, a, mm. as a society uh, than ever before, which is unique because... Other societies have been through much harder conditions. Uh, and then um, there's a God who is in control, who we can trust. And mm. that um, helps us through those those really anxious, hard seasons. Yeah,
0: mm. It's a real paradox, isn't it? That mm. we've got more control than ever before and yet we're more anxious than ever yes. before. Um, our first question is, it's easy to turn to God when things go wrong. Um, any strategies to stay in touch with God when things are going well for you?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's where, and this is where I'm bad at in terms of my prayer life, is the the gratitude prayer. So Mm -hmm. often leading up to, to an exam or job interview or anything, I'll be praying, 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 praying. And then if it goes well, you know, I forget to say thanks. I'll be diligently (laughs) praying up until the thing. And then once the thing happens and it actually goes, okay, you sort of just, okay, what's the next thing I need to do well and what's the next thing God can help me with? Mm. Uh, So slowing down uh, and being grateful. uh, And that'll actually help you the next time uh, a hard season comes because you can sort of recall when he's pulled through uh, for you before. Uh, Yeah, so, and again, it's, it's, I mean, from the scriptures, just knowing that everything you have has been given to you, yeah. you know. And like, So I, yeah, I remember memorizing Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, "My, you know, my wealth has been produced by the power of my hands and, and my ability, but it's God who's given you the ability to produce wealth. So everything you have, even if you've worked really hard, has been given to you. And so... Mm. A constant humility, reminding that you are where you are, you are because God is gracious, and mm-hmm. um, and slowing down to to be grateful for that is, is the key. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good strategy in and of itself. Is to memorize scriptures such as mm-hmm. that to yeah. speak to your heart, which will be valuable when you do go through a rough season to already have those things, those truths under your belt, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other tips from you guys?
2: Um I, I think uh, connecting in and staying in touch with God, I mean it, the, the simplicity of uh, daily reading your Bible mm-hmm. uh, without it feeling formulaic mm-hmm. uh, is one of the things you want to keep formulating in your Christian life.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know being deep in the word on a regular basis being part of a small group um, you know, being regular at church, being part of a, a community they they are all real fundamental basics. Um, but they keep us in touch with God, and uh, one another. Uh, keep pushing one another to keep looking for Jesus.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's it. They—they they sound basic and mm. fundamental, but sometimes you've got to say the basics and yeah. The fundamentals. It's over and yeah, it's the
0: truth. Yeah, that's right. yeah. And I would also just. Uh, extend a little bit and say that in those good seasons, you really want to be preparing for the bad ones. Um, Because just speaking from experience, when I was um, in the depths of the whole spinal cord tumour journey, I found it very hard to pray and very hard to read my Bible. And Mm -hmm. I'm even finding that difficult now. So Mm -hmm. having memorised scripture before and knowing the truths that I know um, and also being in touch with God's community is really helpful. So use this season now to store up for yourself treasure in your future. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so the next question we have is a tricky one. Um, For those who may be clinically anxious, it might be, sorry, I'll start again. For those who may be clinically anxious, the idea that we just need to trust God might come across as an easy fix. And that's not really that straightforward. So people who are clinically anxious try to trust God, but still need medication or assistance. How does God approach those people on this topic? How does a church approach these people rather than simply saying, just trust God?
4: Yeah.
1: Um, that's, uh, anytime you preach on anxiety, that's the, that's the right question to ask. Yeah, it is the right (laughs) question. It's a good question. It is the right question to ask. Um, yeah. So I said in uh, the question time on the Sunday that, yeah, I was, I was speaking more about, uh, the societal conditions that we have that create anxiety rather than clinical, uh, anxiety. So, you know, that person that we're talking about in this question, you know, you could have a beautiful blended society of the right balance of collectivist and individualistic, and and they'd still feel deeply anxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, yeah. So my word for them from the um, uh, from the sermon is that the promises still hold. Of God has a plan for it. God has a purpose behind it, and God's going to end it. So those promises mm-hmm. from that sermon uh, still stand true for you. Uh, but yeah, in terms of just just trust God and pray, and it'll all go away. Um, it's great to trust God. It's great to pray, and that will help. But no, it's not going to it's not going to get rid of it for you mm-hmm. so uh yeah be definitely seek out medical help um do what you do what you've got to do um and and yeah it's much more complex so yeah i was trying to uh chat just about the societal conditions that create anxiety as opposed to this this person but yeah yeah do what you do what you got to do and uh mm-hmm. please don't hear me say just trust god and it'll go away um and uh yeah, and some of the saints who have trusted God the most deeply uh, daily like Paul is daily anxious, which mm-hmm. is interesting. I don't think he's talking about clinical anxiety, but he is still even without clinical anxiety, he's daily anxious in spite of all his prayer and all his godliness. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's gonna be a lifelong journey, but it, it's it's coming to an end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At some point.
0: Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think it's a really important question because anxiety can be really stigmatized in the church. Um and so when we openly talk about anxiety as a mental health issue, I think it helps people um, who do struggle with anxiety like myself um, because we know we're not alone mm-hmm. and we know we're not being naughty for being anxious in that sense. So it is really yeah. important.
1: And I think, yeah, we didn't, I didn't talk about the church. The church just needs to pull near to people. And I think mm-hmm. the mistake we make is we either don't, it's sort of, you know, it's going to be people who are struggling uh in some ways, a, a if they're struggling long-term, they could become a resource drain. And so the temptation goes, oh, too, it's too hard, and they give up. But actually, um yeah, like I've just had a hard six months. Like I've been more of a resource drain than a resource plus. Like I've mm-hmm. needed more pastoral care than I've given, you know, in the last yeah. six months. And if that lasted long-term, the temptation for people would be to pull away. And yet these are the people that Jesus ran straight at and straight towards and, and wanted to really care for. And so we want to be a church that, yeah, we can almost think about in economic ways like, ah, oh, it's a bit of a resource drain. Their life's really hard and it's kind of draining being around them.
0: And it makes me feel awkward yeah, like, to be around someone who's suffering. Yeah,
1: it's easier to be around someone whose life is going mm-hmm. and You can chat about footy and all sorts of things where rather than dealing with heavy stuff. But, yeah, as Christians, we we run with our slowest and we care for those who are hurting most. Yeah, yeah. so it's, a, it's it's sticking around for
2: the journey,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important
2: have you got any resources uh, like for the person listening who uh who is anxious and wants to sort of explore do you have any resources that you've come across in your journey that would be helpful
0: i think there are two things one i would say professional support has been really helpful um in terms of um books and things like that there is a book um now, the name will make you laugh because you'll think of the wrong person, but it's by Kate Middleton, um, <laughs> who is not the Kate Middleton, perhaps, that came to mind, but yeah. a, a doctor who's a psychologist. And she has written a couple of really helpful books. Um, one is called Stepping Out of Anxiety. It's a very tiny book. Um, so you can get it from Coorong. Another one which relates to the stuff we were talking about, burnout, is called Refuel, and she talks about anxiety in that as well, particularly if you're an anxious person that's keen to get stuck into ministry. I think that's really helpful. Um, But also the um, uh, um, Anglican Deaconess Ministries has um, an Institute of Pastoral and Mental Health. Um, That's definitely worth checking out as well. Perhaps we'll put links in the show notes, as they say on on podcasts I listen to. I'm sure we can do that. (laughs) That's the way. (laughs) Um, All right, so the next question um, starts with a compliment. Great talk, Nathan.
4: For just, those... just end it there. No, no. <laughs> no, there's more. Um,
0: for those of us who work an average secular desk job over the week, what would it look like to conduct our business acknowledging God?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, in some ways it's very similar to us who work a super holy ministry job. Um, yeah, it's bringing... Um, that's a joke, by the way. Um, <laughs> hey, you can't see me and Nathan smirking. La-
2: laugh now? Or... Oh, no. Can we get a laugh track? track? Yeah, that's what uh, what have we got there? No, I just got applause for you. Um,
3: yeah,
1: it's, yeah, you bring, like I uh, mentioned that, even writing a sermon, like I forgot to pray to God and preaching a sermon about God and how I need to trust God and, you know, by the Wednesday night, I might have prayed about it once. You know, I should have been praying about it continually. Um, yeah, so yeah, like plan ahead, be a diligent worker, work hard, but acknowledge that, um, you're not ultimately in control. So bring your plans before God in prayer. Um, again, the humility of acknowledging God in, in, if your planning comes out and it goes brilliant, like acknowledge God that he allowed that to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, bring your daily, like, work is stressful. Like mm. you got so much to bring before God in a normal yeah, desk definitely. job. Like I remember financial planning and accounting, there's relational stuff, there's clients that are a bit whingy. There's, um, all sorts of things to bring before God. Um, mm. but it's so easy to just caught up in being, having to do stuff that you just completely forget. So yeah, you're a functional atheist, even though, uh, yep. you're a believer. So I just remember yeah, financial planning was quite. There's so much to bring before God. Yeah, there's, yeah, everything. So um, prayer uh, and, and again, it's spending time on the Word. And It's so busy. It's so easy to just do life and just, you know, the only time you spend with God is at church. Um, And so Monday through Saturday, again, you're a functional atheist. But then Mm. say, yeah, it's that regular time with God uh, and there's so much stuff to bring before God, no matter what your industry of work or study you're in.
4: Mm,
0: definitely I think there can be a real temptation to separate our Christian lives into the secular and into the Christian but in fact it's all the same thing Mm. so when you're in a secular workplace you're a Christian in that workplace so you obey God in that workplace Mm. and in that way you are um, you are honoring God and glorifying God wherever you are Um, so it's not doesn't really matter whether you work for the church or whether you work um, for a secular business you're it's still all God's world, and you're still a Christian yeah. wherever you are. Mm. Okay, the next question um, I think will resonate with a lot of us um, when we're feeling anxious. Um, there are things that we may value and grow anxious for, yet God does not guarantee that we won't lose them. For example, we may really value a friend, yet God doesn't guarantee that we won't lose them. How do we live in the tension of God not always guaranteeing what we want? yet also knowing that he cares for us?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's um, yeah. It's a good question. I think the promises uh, from God that he's always working for our good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when God gives us something that we don't want, like the loss of a loved one or loss of a friend or an illness, or he doesn't give us something that we really want, mm-hmm. a job or a relationship, like God, his motivation is our good. Mm-hmm. That's... Um, his glory, but our good. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so God's always working for our good. That's a really faithful promise. Uh, and that, um, yeah, God and God sympathizes with us in all our struggles as well. So mm. I think, you know, Hebrews 2, where we have a high priest who sympathizes with everything that we go through. Uh, and so, God, God's with us, and God has a plan for it and a purpose for it. And um, mm. yeah, still makes it hard when things uh, don't go your way. Uh, and, but it's, yeah, there's, there's a purpose and it is ultimately for our good, which I think Paul wrestles with in, in Romans five and, and all sorts of different passages in his writings that lots of things don't go his way and yet creates perseverance, creates maturity, creates hope. Um, so that's really, really helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, yeah, I can resonate with this question because sometimes when things have been going well in my life, it's like I'm waiting for something bad to happen. Mm. <laughs> so I'm, cause I'm, just loving things that I have and don't want anything bad to happen with them. So I resonate with this question, but that's a really important truth, Nathan, mm-hmm. just remembering that, um, whatever happens, God does love us. Um, all right. So next question, Nathan, mm-hmm. um, how can there be chance? I think you probably threw the word chance in your sermon there somewhere. Yeah. And it's in
1: Ecclesiastes nine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you 9, go. 11. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: how can there be chance? Um, like luck, fortune, random, unknown outcome, etc. When God is in control,
1: yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, yeah, I think Ecclesiastes is, is an interesting book um, uh, because the author is is writing from sort of a painful experience and dismay of life. And so, uh, yeah, it's Ecclesiastes one verse two where he says, "meaningless, meaningless." Utterly meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. So that's sort of <laughs> his mentality going into the book. And so he says some things that are really true of his experience, but probably aren't the best uh, mm-hmm. theology. And okay. so, uh, and just like in Psalms, you know, um, where some of the things that people say, it's pretty like you're sympathizing with their experience, but um, it's not great theology, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Psalm 137, verse 9, where blessed is he who picks up your babies and dashes their head against the rocks, you go, Mm, that's yeah, horrific that's, that's in scripture yeah. that's horrific um and so yeah this guy is is miserable and, and for a unique reason that he's actually achieved everything he wanted to in life and it's left him feeling completely empty mm. um and so he's he's despairing and mm. um and sort of life is meaningless and not everything was as good as he thought it would be and it just life hasn't quite worked out the way he thought and so he said some things, which is true of his experience, but um, we know from Proverbs, that the cast of a lot is under mm-hmm. God's control mm-hmm. and that uh, he's had a plan for every, you know, Ephesians 2, you know, he's had a plan for us since before, before <laughs> mm-hmm. the beginning of time. And mm-hmm. he's knit us together in our mother's wombs. Like he's, he's, um, yeah, God's in control of everything. But yeah, this, this man is, he's despairing. And so he's, mm. he said something that's, you know, he's, he's pouring out his heart to God, but his theology probably isn't the sharpest at that point.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's kind of cool, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That he's wrestling with this stuff in scripture. It kind yeah. of gives us permission to do the same.
4: Yeah,
1: mm. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I've prayed to God, so I'm, I'm annoyed at you. You know, you've mm-hmm. let me down, like in, in the last few months. And you go, it's mm. terrible theology. God doesn't <laughs> let me down at all. But that's what I'm feeling, and yes, God can take it. And um, yeah, so yeah, I think it's I think the Bible's it's just the most real book there is, and, and God can take that kind of angry, yeah. frustrated. Prayer, yeah, and then totally. he wants to hear it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I'll
3: look at the Psalms, right? Yeah. I think that's a clear example of that. And I think, you know, it's okay for us to be emotional. God has made yeah. us emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and when times are tough, um, we're just speaking how we're feeling. And I think it's better that we speak to God than not speak to him at all in those mm-hmm. moments and yeah. just showing the real and rawness of how we're feeling and but always being reminded of, of those passages of Scripture that God's always working for our good, that mm-hmm. he does love us and care for us. And so that gives us that joy and that hope uh, even amidst that suffering. Um, mm. so yeah, that'd be my sort of add to, to that.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's good. All right. So moving on to week four, and this was Richard's sermon. Um, and he shared that the meaning of life is not about you. Um, James, do you want to give us a rundown? Yeah, of what sure. Spoke
3: about? Um, so Richard, um, yeah, spoke about the meaning of life and that it's not about you. Uh, and, kind of concluded with the statement, um, actually it's really what Jesus said, <laughs> um, which is the two greatest commandments to love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and so that's kind of where we landed, um, on the day. Um, and I think it was just really helpful to think about that. similar to week two, uh, that we're not the center of the universe, mm. it's, uh, but rather, we're here to to glorify God um, and to to love others and to live out the example set by Jesus, and live out the words of Jesus' teaching just here for us. And so, that was kind of the the main crux of the the talk on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we kind of already touched on the question that came in uh, with that Sunday, uh, looking at the Wis- uh, Westminster Catechism, yeah. um, where it said, you know, what's your thoughts on it, defending the uh, defining the meaning of life and you know the question uh, in it is, you know, what is the chief end of man? And it says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him f- uh, and to enjoy Him forever. And so we sort of unpacked that a few mm. moments ago, but yeah, helpful.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, that resonates with Richard's sermon, isn't it? When we love God and love our neighbour, we mm. do glorify Him. Mm, that's right. Um, and our our enjoyment of Him gives Him further glory. So, yeah, that answers that question already. Yeah. Um, um there was another question, and um, it was relating to. Um, an Indian pastor who Richard quoted in his ser- sermon and it was asking, does the comment made by the Indian pastor refute prosperity preaching? Now, people might not remember what uh, this Indian pastor said, um, in I'm Richard's sermon. I'm glad that you're about to quote them. <laughs> but, so I will quote them. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> so he said, while the facade of traditional beliefs is maintained, in fact, Jesus is turned into a magic omen. He is the perfect insurance policy. He is the matchmaker who finds beautiful and wealthy brides for the sons. He orders success by leaking question papers so that um, believers' children can do well in exams. He makes sure that they have a very successful career and so on. So I don't think this comment is really refuting prosperity preaching. But what this Indian pastor is doing is kind of pointing out the ways that we can make the gospel a prosperity gospel. Yeah. Would
4: we'll you guys agree Jesus with that? treat Jesus
0: like a
3: lucky charm that yeah. you kind of go, hey, he's going to do this for me or do that for me, which…
0: Which we know is wrong. Yeah, right? like I think yeah. that's
3: probably what he's trying to get at with that mm. comment that maybe in their context, that's what people are doing. That's, exactly. Maybe that's their idea of what it means to be a Christian, that if we call in the name of Jesus, then yeah, he'll get me an A in that test or he'll do this or do that mm-hmm. um, and using him as a lucky charm. But that's not… I mm. think yep. and that's a harmful way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So I think it does it does rebuke prosperity preaching, but I don't mm. think that's his target. His target mm. is the fact that we've inverted it and yes. we've made God exist to serve us. Now in that implicitly that's a rebuke of the prosperity gospel because exactly. that's in mm. essence what it's doing, that God mm. wants yeah. to bless you and serve you. Um and yeah, but yeah, implicitly it's a bigger of all of us mm-hmm. tend to make God uh need to, like, like he work needs to work for us and for our benefit yep. when we exist to serve him and love him. So yeah, it's, it, it does implicitly rebuke prosperity preaching, but he's aiming at a broader target than that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So that was quick, which is just as well, because the next bunch of questions are very challenging. Um, and they're mine. <laughs> <laughs> and they're yours, James. <laughs> so your topic was, you're going to die and how this enriches your life now. Do you want to tell us a bit about what you spoke about on Sunday?
3: Uh, yeah, so I had a one-verse sermon, um, which was uh, nice and short, uh, which was <laughs> Philippians 1, 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And these are Paul's words. And essentially we looked at uh, death, uh, and death has sort of three aspects to it. Uh, the physical death uh, that we will all experience, um, spiritual death, and also eternal death. Uh, and then we sort of unpacked, well, you know, if we know that we're going to die, uh, that time is short, um, what save us, saves us from that? And so I quoted uh, John 11 and Jesus' words there uh, in the story of Lazarus and, and then also sort of unpacked, well then, how might that change how we live today? And so I sort of was talking about goals as we are at the beginning of the year being 2023 and how might, if our goals were to shift um, or change to live out our, our verse for the day. So that was kind of the, the crux of what I spoke about.
0: Okay. We have some very thoughtful and deep questions for you, James. Mm. Um, so the first one is, how are we to respond to the death of a loved one who doesn't know Jesus?
3: Yeah. Um, as I sort of said on Sunday, this is a, a really hard thing mm. um, and something that if, if, if that has happened for you, um, you know, I'm really sorry and that is a difficult thing to walk and mm. uh, to go through. Um And so for me personally, I can't speak from experience um, about losing someone that didn't know Jesus. Um, I did lose my dad when I was nine years old, um, and I know that he loved Jesus and was his Lord and Savior, and so I know that one day I will see him again. Um, But in the context of this, um, it is a really difficult thing to think about. Um, If you do have loved ones that are with you now and things might be well and going good, but at one point they will die, and if they don't know Jesus, then... Um, what we spoke about um, in eternal death is quite confronting. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things I did share with was a conversation that I had earlier in the morning um, with someone who does a little bit of palliative work, Mm -hmm. um, for those that don't understand, palliative sort of end of life. Mm -hmm. Um, And they spoke about uh, some moments where people have turned to Jesus in their last sort of few moments of life and that they'd had the opportunity to read some scriptures with them and, and talk them through um, Christianity and, and all that kind of stuff. And so my encouragement to people were to not give up, mm. don't, don't stop, um, because we don't know what happens in those final moments, um, when people are about to pass and in, in that, um, yeah, I think there's still, there could, there's definitely still hope and, um, Nathan had a really good point, uh, was it Matthew 13, yeah, the weed yeah. and
1: the tares, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the tares, yeah. I don't know how you pronounce it. You yeah, yeah, you? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all right. Um,
3: <laughs> but, you know, in, in that passage, um, they're both mixed together and I don't want to misquote, so you're better at re-quoting than I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just,
1: yeah, when the servants are do you want us to pull out the weeds mm. or the tares? And he yeah. says, no, don't, because, you know, you might pull, you might think someone's a tares and you pull out the wheat with it. Like yeah. you sort of, you don't know. Yeah, like God that's knows, right. and so yeah. God will... God will sort of do the <laughs> the reaping at the end and sort yeah. of it out, but you don't. So and yeah. that, that creates a little bit of ambiguity. Yeah. That we yeah. don't we don't know what happens in people's last moments. And um, yeah. yeah, I think the character of God is helpful too. Like I said, whatever happens yeah. to our loved ones, they fall into the best hands possible when they die. So yeah, someone yeah. who loves our loved ones even more than we do, yeah. and someone mm-hmm. who's so kind and so just, and so whatever happens to them, like we know it's going to be fair, it's going to be kind, uh, yeah. and yeah, they'll be treated right by God. But unfortunately that does mean that some people will, will go to eternal death, um, as a right judgment. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But yeah, that, I think James is right. That urgency, you know, yeah. like mm. whilst people are alive this time, Yeah. Yeah. um, yeah. So go and preach now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a tough one. We aren't without hope, but at mm. the same time, it's a really tough. One. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, another tough question. Um, mm. For people who might be struggling with severe depression and suicidal thoughts, what would stop this person from viewing Philippians one twenty one as an affirmation to their suicidal feelings?
3: Um, yeah, I've wrestled with this a fair bit, actually. I was mm-hmm. trying to think how I would answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think context is key to the verse. Definitely um, For Paul... Um, as he speaks those words, um, he doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. He's in prison. And so as he weighs up the options of what's ahead of him, whether it is to continue to live and um, keep serving Christ, which he says later in the verses, that would be much more fruitful Mm -hmm. Um, and ends up saying, you know, that is what the Lord wants, for me to continue to do that. He realizes that even if he does die, um, that that would still be gained because he would be with uh, his Lord and Savior Jesus. Um, but as for the question itself, uh, the answer is like, well, no, that's not what's being said here. but yeah, I can't really, if any of you guys want to jump in and elaborate, I don't necessarily think I'm equipped to answer this question. Too deeply. <laughs> well, there's two uh,
0: things at play here, isn't sure, there? There's, yeah. there's. Um, whenever we're talking about severe depression and mm. um suicidal ideation, we want to tread really carefully because yeah. um someone's life is at risk, Absolutely. and so we don't want to go around saying things that are going to make people feel worse and more isolated. Mm. Um, but I would agree with you that context is really important, and when we pluck one verse out of context, we can sometimes see things in there that aren't there. Mm. Um, so what would the question says? What would stop this person from view, viewing Philippians one twenty one, and I think it is context. Mm. Um, and um, and honestly, if, if you're feeling like this and you look at this verse, um, please tell somebody and get the help that you need.
1: Yeah. Nathan, yeah, I think um, this Paul, like I think for every single Christian, to die is gain. Um, Mm. so whether you're feeling that or not like for me who's not feeling that it would be beneficial for me to die right now and yet god has has a plan and and a purpose and and has fruitful labor for us and so uh god has you alive for a reason and he has work for you to do and Mm. you are deeply valued and needed uh among god's people and and uh yeah so you're yeah we need you we love you uh would be worse off without you so uh, and and God has a plan uh, for your life so yeah don't take um don't take uh, your plans above mm. God's plans even yeah. though mm. you, you're going through so much and, and feeling awful but yeah we yeah the church needs you your mm-hmm. friends family need you and we love mm-hmm. you and yeah God has has work for you to do that is so valued and, and so important and for some people that work doesn't necessarily mean doing 15 ministries it, there's one woman at a former church that she's turned up every week Life was miserable. Mm. Um, family life was horrible. Mental health horrible. She turned up, and it was the most encouraging thing for for the ministers and for other lay members is that this woman, with everything going against her, it was just mm. there and mm. built up the It's the most powerful witness. She didn't do any any sort of official ministry, mm. but she was yeah one of the most encouraging people at church. Mm. Um, because she turned up. Yeah, the and, ministry uh, of turning yeah, up. And so you mm. are so valuable. Uh, if you're going through that and you're just turning up and fighting through it, you're an amazing witness, and uh, we're blessed to have you around. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Next question: um, As Lazarus was as Lazarus was raised from the dead, mm-hmm. was he raised eternally or just physically at this time?
3: Can I say birth?
4: Okay, you can say both, but you'll need to explain yourself Uh,
3: Definitely physically, obviously Um, But also believing and trusting in Jesus as Lord and Saviour Both has the eternal effect Like we are eternally saved now We have eternal life now Um, And so for us, even though we might pass through that moment of physical death uh, We too um, will be alive with Jesus in our new resurrection bodies And so in that context, he was physically raised um, And raised eternally yeah, just like the rest of us.
0: Yeah. you
3: want to unpack further?
1: Oh, yeah. I was just wondering whether the person is asking, did Lazarus die again? Where is he
0: then? Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say I so. Wonder. And was the <laughs> answer is, yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Yes. So, um, yes.
1: Yeah, well, we've got Enoch and Elijah who didn't yeah. die at all, so we need that's two right. people to die twice, so, you mm-hmm. know, just yeah. to balance the math. So, yeah, yeah. that's like, it's the account and you got to balance it, Elijah. <laughs> yeah, so, that's it. Uh, Lazarus gets one of our two deaths, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, yeah. He, he dies again. Yeah, he does again. I think – I think preachers will point that out. Sort of, there's, there's, a, there's, that, it's an amazing resurrection. What happens to mm. uh, Lazarus? But mm-hmm. there's a greater one uh, at the end of time that we can all participate in. So, yeah, um, yeah that's the resurrection we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wonder whether that's the question. No, yeah. he's, he's not like Elijah or Enoch in Genesis that, um, mm. that don't die at all. I yeah. Think he, he, yeah, he dies twice. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's rough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty rough, actually. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've heard it said Lazarus resurrection was like a resuscitation not to say that he wasn't dead just because he was dead he'd been dead for four days um but yeah he was had to die again Mm. okay the last question that we have um is this should the idea that to die is gain have an effect on the choices we make regarding medical treatment looking after ourselves and so on
3: yeah that's a good question um I think coming back to the passage will be helpful and um, actually expanding it further. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just keep reading. So I'll start from verse 21. For me, to live is Christ and to die as gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to, be de- uh, desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And so I think when we're thinking about Paul's words in the context of the passage, as I sort of alluded to earlier when we we're talking about, you know, whether the verse could be used as an affirmation for suicide, um, Paul is sort of putting it out there that either way, however it plays out, he wins. Yeah. He either continues proclaiming the gospel and sharing Jesus and fulfilling the mission that Jesus set before all disciples and all of us, um, in Matthew twenty eight. Um, but if it did mean that he was to pass, he would still gain because he would be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we think should to gain have an effect on the choices regarding medical treatment? Um, no, I think I, I personally would say that if there are options for you to receive medical treatment and prolong your life and to go about the mission before, um, that has been set before us as Christians. And I would encourage you to seek medical treatment, you know, mm-hmm. God has given that knowledge to doctors and medical professionals uh for for our good uh for us to be able to maintain and sustain life and so I'd encourage you to um seek medical treatment if if for you to not do that would mean that you would die. Mm. Um but yeah that would kind of be my my sort of take on that was that no I wouldn't say um to use that would be to then refuse treatment and let yourself mm. die because I think as Paul was saying in his context it was this could happen, this may not, it's better for me to stay, to continue to go about the gospel and um, telling people about Jesus and, and same for, for us today that it would be better for us to, to be here and sharing the good news until that last moment where um, it is our time to go and that's up to God at that point, mm. not up to us.
0: So you're saying that it's more like a peaceful submission to what any whatever the outcome is? I think so.
1: Mm-hmm. I think uh, perhaps a thing that we're missing from the context that might help Clarify Paul's intent is that
4: mm-hmm.
1: he's in a context where his faith. There's a decent chance his faith is going to cost him his life. Yeah, mm. and he's saying, "Well, I'm going to hold my faith because actually, yeah. e- even if I do die, which I don't want to, mm. I really don't want to, and I'm choosing to stay here to do fruitful labour. Mm. um I'm holding on to Christ." We so that's not quite the context. Like within that medical, it's a different context. Like mm. Paul's faith is and it does ultimately cost him his life, and he goes, No, nah, his faith is so precious." that it's worth holding on to even if it, even if it does even if this faith cost me my life. Whereas in this person it's their met it's their mm. it's their it's their health that's gonna cost them <laughs> their life, yeah. not their faith. And yeah. so Paul is yeah, he's in jail because of his faith. He knows he might die because of it. And then he says, no, oh, I'm holding on because even if it does cost me, it's still worth it. So slightly different context. So mm. yeah, in terms of linking it back to our choice about health and, and suicide, like Paul it's not our faith that's going to get us killed in, in these yeah. contexts. Yeah. I
0: think it's a really important distinction. Yeah. Thanks for that. Well, that brings us to the close of the questions for this summer series. Thank you so much for sending those questions in. It's a real blessing to us to wrestle with them. And hopefully we can be a blessing to you as we um, attempt to answer them. Um, what's happening next Sunday, guys? New series. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, Five Truths is done. Mm-hmm. And we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. Oh, Yeah. More than five Fun. truths in 1 Corinthians. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of truths,
4: man. <laughs> yeah. Some of them it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah, if there's That's any like time to be at church, it's <laughs>
3: 1 Corinthians. Some <laughs> of the
1: passages to preach on. Oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, watch we this get... space. I'm looking uh, I'm forward <laughs> to all the questions that are going to come <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, I'm
0: really excited now. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do some pre-reading. Read uh, chapters 1 through to 7 and get yeah. your okay. questions already. Yeah. That's homework what I would recommend. Yeah. Mr. Muggeridge. Yeah, homework from us. Yeah, particularly chapters 5 through yeah. 7 are the ones that are going to be
1: yeah. Tricky mm, and
0: they're good chapters, though. They're, so they're much wisdom in, chapters. in there,
1: yeah. Mm. They're, they're gonna be difficult chapters to preach. So, well, um, I'm not preaching them, so. yeah, not your problem, yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, I
3: think, think it's just Nathan's and Dave's, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why I'm already scared of, them. yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: but it's gonna be a good, good yeah. series, and then there's Richard's farewell. Okay. Yeah, I guess. coming Sunday. So, awesome. oh, yeah, we we'll a- celebrate. He's uh, seven, seven, eight years here. Amazing. And all that he's done. And yeah, thanks, and yeah, thanks, Richard. Yeah, thanks for yeah. everything. Yeah, so, yeah, he's been awesome. So, it'd be nice he to send him great. off uh, really, really well.
4: Yeah,
0: great. Well, don't miss it then. Um, we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love you to join us at Kellyville Anglican any Sunday at 8 30, 10 30, or 6 15 pm. If you can't visit us in person, you can also join us online. You can find out more information at
4: www.kac.sydney. So come join us and see for yourself what is said on Sunday.